Good afternoon, everyone. This is Shelly and Adam with Marketing Monday. And for the second time, we have John Meyer on, but you wouldn't know when he was on the first time because we didn't record it. So this is actually oh, is that, difficulties that, is that day. Is that only live? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not a good situation, John. It was amateur hour, but we're more <laughs> professional now. We've got StreamYard. I'm excited. That's good because I made a prediction on that show. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that prediction was was terribly wrong. And so now we can just uh, leave that in the dust. <laughs> no, no, no. Good. We should probably revisit that because I, now I need to go rewatch it and remember, try and remember what that prediction was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, we have John Meyer on. For anyone who doesn't know, for like the five people in Sioux Falls oh, who geez. don't know John Meyer is, he is basically the Gary V of Sioux Falls. <laughs> I don't swear he, as much. I think he, I was just going to say, I think he swears a little less than Gary yeah, I'd V. I'd say then. maybe just I'll, at I'll, least off I'll, record, maybe. I'll pick or at up, least not on air, off air, maybe I do, but. I'll, I'll pick up the swearing for you. If you need someone just to come in and say some curse words just randomly, like I can do that for you if you want. But uh, anyways, guys, we're going to be talking about a couple things today. John just recently um, started doing a podcast, and we're going to dive into why a um, would it be fair to call Lemonly like a branding agency? Would that be okay to say, or what would be your yeah? Official... We call, we say we're a design agency, design agency. storytelling and content. Yep. Okay, so kind of getting into the why you decided to do a podcast. I know you guys have been doing some YouTube videos on mm -hmm. um, some content for a little while now. Getting yep. into the why you're doing that, what what return you've seen on it, and just Lemonly as a whole. So. Again, why don't you uh, kind of tell us what Lemonly is, sure. what the genesis of it was, and then where you're at now. Yeah, so the origin story, uh, Lemonly came from another company I had started, 2009. Started a company called Nine Clouds with my brother. So Nine Clouds is an inbound marketing agency, which means we create content to drive people to your site. Um, didn't start that way so much. We sort of fell into that niche as we went along. And very similar, similarly, uh, Lemonly was, we made some infographics in 2011. Uh, Amy Colgan was our first employee at, at Nine Clouds. And we started making these infographics and they were just, they were performing, you know, 10x better than our other pieces of content, blog posts, videos. Mm -hmm. um, and back then, this is, these infographics were the shiny thing for sure. I mean, whether <laughs> they were good, whether they were good or bad, they got a ton of, of attention. And so... Amy and I said, what if we did just this one thing and did this one thing really well? And so Lemonly was born as an idea, sort of a project actually under Nine Clouds. And it took off so fast that we incorporated it as a company. And so for the first couple of years, we just made infographics. And now fast forward in 2020, as you know, in marketing, uh, content is just so ubiquitous, but it also takes so many different shapes and sizes. So it's videos, reports, presentation decks, and then what we call micro content. That's short snackable. So we're headed a couple months here to nine years. We've done Major League Baseball, Netflix, Marriott, Snapchat, Salesforce. Just United a few small companies. So yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe some companies you've never really heard of. <laughs> so over, uh, yeah. just out of curiosity, have you what um what era would you say that infographics like really dominated? And then where did you see like they kind of started to drop mm -hmm. off? It still seems like to me though that animated infographics still still seem to do really well and there's not a lot of things that i personally know out there that can if it's done right can really get a lot of information across really really quickly yeah you're right adam i think the like the efficacy and the 
the efficiency of infographics absolutely still remains and will never go away, right? We're wired to be visual creatures. That's just how our brains think. But as far as being a tool in your marketing toolkit, yeah, they're definitely not the shiny object anymore. I would say in 11, when we started, there was maybe three of us, three different companies that were doing this. Um, and then maybe 12 to 12, 13, 14 was like, people were like, I want an infographic. I don't care what's in it. I just, I just want one. Uh, <laughs> that was great. That was great for business. Um, and then in 14, 15, it started being more video. We did interactive for a while. We made them responsive so your infographics could move. They're clickable, different links. And then now it's definitely, I think of it the same way as, you know, people said email was dead. People said social media was dead. An infographic is just a tool of many in your marketing toolkit, right? And so for the certain use cases, you bring it out and it's perfect. Um, and that's been interesting. Like, honestly, from a business standpoint, I've always had, we've had this push and pull where sometimes we didn't want to get stretched into these other deliverables. We wanted to just do the thing that we was sort of our bread and butter that, that helped us exist, which was infographics. But we also had to evolve and realize that clients weren't just coming. That's just the what, right? Clients are coming for the outcome, the, the why, which is understanding traffic, conversion, you know, business dollars, right? The, the VX. So the, the way we describe it now is you come to Lemonly with, you know who you want to talk to and you know what you want them to do. We'll figure out the how and figure out how to make that happen. Nice. Very nice. Um, so I just kind of want to stick on Lemonly for just a little bit because it's obviously yeah. a large part of your life. Um, what is a memorable project that you've done with Lemonly that kind of sticks out for you that um, that you've done in the last couple of years? Yeah, last couple of years, um, I'm trying to think of a recent one. Um, one that always sticks out is we, for about three years in a row, we made the annual report for the 9-11 Memorial Museum um, in, in, in downtown New York City. Um, and if you've ever been there, it's an incredible place. Uh, it's, it's a really uh, emotional sort of moving uh, exhibit. When you walk through, you know, we all remember where we were on uh, September 11th. And even if, you, you know, I was in South Dakota, in Brookings, South Dakota, where I grew up. So I had nothing to do with New York City, but it still was such a monumental moment. And when you go there, it's, you can just feel the emotion when you're there. And so we had to try to capture that in a digital format. And so it was a challenge, but it's a combination of there's video, there's audio, there's like a message from Mayor Bloomberg. Um, it's an interactive experience. There's like this parallax, different um, images pop up. And so th that's one of our uh, most proud projects because it's such heavy content and it, you have to be very delicate with it. Um, but I think we did it. We delivered it really well. Man. Yeah, that'd be a heck of a project to take on right there. Yeah. So, so that's fun. I have a question. And I've always wondered this, like, John, I feel like you and I have talked like multiple mm -hmm. times between you coming to my class and being on podcasts and stuff. But one of the things that has always stuck with me is like, I'd love for people to hear a little bit of the background of how, you know, you're Brookings with nine clouds and infographics and you kind of start that, like, how does that evolve to Marriott and Netflix and like, talk about because that's kind of a dream big for these small entrepreneurs sure. that are listening to us right now. How can sure. they go from little start up you and one other person and doing things into like, I just landed the 9-11 Memorial or Netflix or talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the answer in one way is simple, but then in, in reality is probably complex. The, the simple answer is do really great work, 
uh, and 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 be niche and be focused and get lucky really right the the mm -hmm. complex the complex answer is is because what we missed at the mark in nine clouds is we said like we'll we'll just we'll do whatever you need if it's related to social media or the web and and that really was you quickly became if you're if you try to be everything to everyone you're really nothing to anyone right and so by getting real niche and being a little bit lucky in terms of like if you look at the curve uh, of infographics we were right on the on the precipice of it so we rode that hot thing um, so being very boutique right it's not it's not uh, a lot of our inbound new business comes through search so somebody searches uh, infographic company and they find lemonly that's honestly how we got in our first that's time our initial clients but then when you you know it's that classic like over deliver great customer experience we give we play that South Dakota card really hard and then they start to tell other people and so about 70% of our business last year and almost every year is what we call organic so they come back people who have worked with us before we don't sign big million dollar contracts we just we do very project-based work and they love it and they come back um, so as, as if i were thinking about that today to your question if i were starting a new business what could you be world-class at is it the thing that you do is it the, the how you do it is it and so the one thing that I like to think of, um, you guys would like this as, as idea people, this matrix that, I, that someone taught me is, if you think about ideas as a two by two matrix, like a grid, um, mm -hmm. we have new ideas, we have like, we have new technology and old technology, and we have new problems, and we have old problems. That's like, those are the X axis and the Y axis, right? So yep. an Airbnb or an Uber is taking an old problem. I need a place to sleep. I need a car for a ride. And applying new technology right like now your phone basically click a button and the car comes or you go online you can search every home and, and apartment can now be a place to stay with great photography so that's taking an old problem that has existed and probably will always exist until we start getting like do hovercrafts instead of cars right but then and uber and, will be it and mobile sleep pods <laughs> yeah which we still got to sleep we still got to transport um and, and then just took new technology. Whereas the flip side, you could also take a new problem, right? So like Zoom, we now are all on Zoom all day long. Or let's take like remote work, right? Offices, when are we gonna get back to our offices? Like that idea of these, and then let's take an old solution. So like I've seen these people coming out with these shipping containers, right? They turn these little shipping containers into these cool little home offices or these apartments where you can drop them in your backyard and have these cool little mini offices. And so I think when you're thinking about businesses and ideas, you don't wanna have new technology for a new problem because you haven't validated that that problem exists or that people even want it. And old technology to an old problem, I mean, that's like that's like saying we're going to you know send ponies to deliver the mail, right? Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And so I love that really simple framework. Which one are you gonna be? Are you gonna be new technology to an old problem? Or are you going to tackle, um, you know, are you going to bring, yeah, old, like old, an old problem with new technology? Hmm. Can I be selfish for a second, Shelly? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, oh, you have to ask her. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've got a partner here. I don't want to completely <laughs> steal the show. But I, I think that's a really interesting thing. But I'd actually like to get a little bit granular and a little bit technical, if it's possible, to kind of dive into this a little bit more. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that probably um, encompass some of these problems. But um, Clarity Coat, my company, 
is what I would consider a new technology solving an old problem, which is um, people have wanted their vehicles to be unique for a really long time. And they've also wanted to keep their vehicles protected um, since vehicles have been around. This is not anything new, mm -hmm. um, whether it was horsepower upgrades or because are making a vehicle look really nice. So we have a new technology, but an old problem. So if you're a company that's set up like that, what yeah. would you say would be the way to um, ob obtain? Obviously, I'm not looking for a total roadmap here, but what would be your um, advice on how to like move forward with something like that? I, mean, I think that's more. I think that's the more powerful of the two, because if it's a new problem, like you have to make everyone realize that they have the problem. Right. Um, like we're starting to realize that like maybe our old offices of don't really work and maybe I do need a new office, but we're still like in the early days. So you're in a better case, right? People have had their cars dinged and scratched for decades, right? Forever. And so I think you lean into the problem when it comes to marketing. Since we have a common problem, we all have the pain. You know, I, I think if, you, if your idea can either make money or save money, every idea should come down to probably either making money or saving money. Yep. Um, and so classic, like, you know, sell benefits, not features. It's not how cool the paint is or how shiny it is or, or all these fancy words of what's included in the paint. It's safety, protection, confidence, beauty, other things that, you know, appeal to humans. And so I think if you have the old problem, new technology, don't, where most, where most businesses make the, the mistake is they, they, they sell the, the sizzle, they sell the technology, but the right. stake is like the problem. Yep. Awesome. It's kind of like that, like in marketing, like you have the the people who are the early adopters and then you have the people that it's that whole curve. Right. And, and I should know this Absolutely. as I teach marketing, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but you know, like, like an adoption what, curve. Yeah. So in your case, Adam, like the people, those early adapters to your new technology, those are going to be the people right now that enjoy that. Like you can sell them easily on that technology. But as you guys get further along in the game, there's the people are going to want to see the pictures. They're going to want to understand that benefit to like, okay, well, this makes sense because now I'm not going to have to have my car repainted or I'm not going to have to have, I'm not going to be spending $5,000 on detailing every year if I just do this. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I uh, um, I I I I want to just quickly say for the people that are watching, what John is saying right now is something that you'd have to pay like a lot of money to <laughs> have someone sit down and like consult with you and everything like that. So you're getting a really good lesson and and Sh Shelly too. Like I don't want to leave Shelly out of it, but you know what we're saying is something that people pay cons a large amount of money for consulting fees. And um, so I hope that this podcast is going to be, or this video is going to be bringing some value to people out there. But I, mean, I think the challenge with all that, to, like, and I'll even say too, I'll caveat, this isn't like groundbreaking advice, right? But almost any, any consultant or coach, you know, especially coaching, if you ever had a, have a CEO coach, they just ask you questions that, that then gets you to the, you say the answer that you mm -hmm. ultimately need to hear. Yeah. And you're like, why did I pay for that? If I had that answer inside me, but you needed the guide you needed someone to ask you the questions to get to that outcome. And so even with this, this advice or these tips, like, I mean, there's no excuse between podcasts, blogs, eBooks, videos, you can learn everything yes. on the internet, right? Like, yes, I loved going to college and I learned a lot more like socially about gr like growing up in life, but like in terms of the content, 
it's all out there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's about execution. It's about sometimes almost knowing what not to do just as much as knowing what to do. Um, I love the line of companies die. Companies will always die more so of indigestion than starvation, right? This idea that like, I don't have anything. I don't know what to do with my company. We're not going to make it if I don't do anything. I don't have any ideas. Not the case. It's I have too many ideas. I tried too <laughs> many things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's working. I don't know what's not working. Right. Oh. And so you're going to, you're going to, your company's going to fail by trying to do too much versus not having anything to do. And that's, have traction with it. That's great. Uh, I would act, just touching on that information part that you were just talking about. Cause I think if we go back to that Venn diagram, new technology, old technology, but then in place of new problems, old problems, um, old information, new information. And I actually think the circle for new information is super, super, super small. I think very rarely does something coming along, come along that's actually new information. And I think the old information circle is like really massive, but you sure. can choose to either ingest it by books or I don't know if you've got scripts laying around from the old Roman days, then congrats. You probably shouldn't let anybody know about that, but you know, um, yeah. I mean, there's like a- audio, right? Like audio is just another way of, of packaging what we already had. Right. So that's, uh, you know, the irony of, of audio, audio is an old technology, right? But now I'm seeing these new startups that, hey, you can't even sit in front of a computer long enough or you don't want to stare in front of a screen all day long. Learn through courses and learn content through audio. It's not a, it's not a podcast. It's like an audio course, right? I think, right. yeah. So I think that's, again, it's old technology. It's just repackaging in a new way, as you're saying. Yeah. Which segues us perfectly into the question that we were going to talk to you about, which is you're doing a podcast now. You completely blew everyone else out of the water by having Dennis Dugard as your first um, person on. Last week, we were all like, come on now. Like, how can the rest of us live up to you, John? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to show us all up here. Uh, So we're really curious as to what what, um, led you to want to do a podcast in the first place and what marketing-wise um, are you seeing out of it or are you hoping to get out of it? Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to think a lot about what, what my next chapter looks like, uh, after, after Lemonly. And I don't know the answer yet. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm thinking a lot about. Um, this podcast does not market Lemonly. Um, I mean, I think when we talk about marketing, whether for a business or for a personal brand, I don't, I don't, I don't call, consider myself the Gary V, but the idea of always creating content, I do think you should do. I think every person into 2020 needs to create some sort of a brand, whether it's a brand that lives within a business or their own truly like standalone individual brand. Um, and I think the businesses that are going to win are the businesses that allow their individuals to have a brand that also like enhances the Lemonly brand, right? So like if, if Amy Colgan, my co-founder has a brand for being this amazing creative director and designer that not only benefits her, but it benefits Lemonly, right? As an employee and team member of Lemonly. Yeah. Cause someone's going to Google her and then they're going to see, oh, she's connected to Lemonly. And they're like, oh, Hey, actually I know three companies that need design work or yeah. you know, whatever. It's, so it's like, I understand the, I understand the legality of the whole, like these tweets are my own, right. That people put in their bio, but like, if you hire people you trust and you're aligned with your goals and your values, like you shouldn't have to do that. Right. Like their brand oh can exist underneath. What? Can we like frame that you just said that I literally like 
an hour and a half ago, just had that exact conversation with somebody at my church, actually. I was at church doing stuff this morning and we had a conversation. It was about leadership. We were discussing some stuff and I, I brought up and said, you know, it was about remote work and today's work environment and how so many people are transitioning to remote work and all this and what that's going to look like as we continue forward. And I was like, you know, I worked remotely for Wells Fargo 15 years ago. Like I had a home office. My boss was in Minneapolis and it was fantastic. And, but it was so unique to a lot of people at the time because most big companies have such a hard time trusting their employees and I had a boss at the time who his name was John as well. And he, um, I very distinctly remember when I started working for him the first time that I called him and was like, hey, my kids have a doctor's appointment or, you know, whatever it was. And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, what? Really? Like, I don't need to let you know my schedule. And he was like, no, I trust you, Shelly. Like, I, you wouldn't be on my team if I didn't trust you. And it was like the like if we, my comment to this um, person in leadership at the church was like, how many leaders in companies look at their employees and say, I trust you to make the right choice. I trust you to get whatever we need done. I trust you to communicate. I trust you, you know, what have you. And just those few little words for me as a 20, you know, seven year old or whatever at the time, like was so incredibly life-changing to hear somebody say, I trust you, you're competent, do what yep. you need to do. I think that's something that I've always admired about you, John. And that's, I think that's something that we could really dive into for young business leaders as well. Like it's so important. Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole nother episode, right? Of culture and trust and employee communication. And, and you know, I, I think what's fascinating now is we had all these companies that were sort of like starting to think about remote work and maybe going to dip our toe in the water. And, and we have a five-year plan of, of moving, yeah, remote and COVID just overnight. <laughs> and honestly, no, most don't, of don't them, dip your toe into the water. Just here you go. Just go in. Yeah, there. you're just diving, right? <laughs> like we released this lemon. We just did our first course. We created a company culture course. Um, and it's so funny. We recorded it February 16th and, and one of our modules is about remote work. And I'm like, just experiment with it. Try it. Like if your employer is not ready, like here's what you should tell them. If your manager is not ready, do this. Uh, you know, and by the time we even release the course, it's like almost that content is almost <laughs> old. Yeah. Um, and I do think, I think it's going to be this pendulum that swings, right? Like now we're all like, I'm never going back to work and, and this is awesome. And, and, you know, I'm in my pajamas, you don't even know it type of thing. Uh, I think it's going to settle somewhere in between, right? There's going to be a right. little bit of a back, a backswing of like, whoa, six months later, like I need to see some people. Like I need to, I need to like have some physical uh, interaction. And, but I do think, so I think it'll be somewhere in the middle, but I think offices are going to look different for sure. You know, and that, and I got to figure that out ourselves. Like the Lemonly is a wide open, um, open office space, like big farm table tables gathered around. Like it's, it's going to have to be different. So we're still thinking a lot about that, but. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, the pendulum swinging from one end to the other, because, you know, working from home sounds fantastic and great. Um, and by the way, I just realized I forgot to preface this by saying for everybody watching, sorry, we're uh, redoing my office. So that's why you're seeing the exposed boards in the background. But anyways, um, I don't think anybody cared. <laughs> no, probably not. But, uh, you know, working from home sounds great until you're like three months in and you've never seen, you haven't seen another human being like, mm -hmm. and I think people really forget that, you know, 
even if you're an incredible introvert, we're still social animals and we still need to see people and everything like that. And Zoom only does that so well. Like you can only do that for so long on Zoom. Um, and so like for me, you know, I made it a point like once or twice a week, I'd go to Queen City Bakery or whatever, just work downtown so that you're just around other people and interacting with people and everything like that. And I think- when we underestimate how much work is more than just our our work life, like our social life too. And so I think there it's a, there's an unfair advantage to those of us who are, you know, mid thirties, I'm married, I have kids, I have a home. Like for me to be like, remote work is great. Like I don't ever need to go in. It's like, well, yeah, I'm already sort of established in my life. Like if you go to big, you know, city, not even just cities, like even Sioux Falls, people's 20 somethings work is also often their source of social like friendship in big companies or cities it might be how they meet people like romantically um you know they it's more than just going to work it's also a big part of their social life and so i think this idea that we're all just like all set we'll just work from home there won't be any offices anymore it's a little over exaggerated yep so the podcast yeah sorry no 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 totally fine i i love i love uh the direction that we took this what why leadership and what what about leadership is important to you i mean for people who don't know lemon lee has built up an incredible company culture um <clears throat> and so obviously you know leadership is something that you practice and have worked personally to hone yourself to create a great culture but why a podcast about it? Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Uh, we'll take the subject first, and then we'll take the podcast part. So the subject matter, uh, leadership. At the end of last year, I started having this idea that I'm like, man, I think our our world needs more leaders. And, and there's this misconception that leaders either only have the title of like CEO, or they have the big salary, they, they make the, the most money. And and just, that's just not true. There's just leaders all up and down an organization, an org chart, a team, maybe not even a company, like solo people or freelancers that get together or community organizers or artists. Or And this is in like the end of 2019. And 2020 happened. And by May, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And I think it was April. I recorded with Dennis in late April. So by April, I was like, I have to do this because... I think 2020, COVID especially, exposed our leaders. Um, just they're all white, like right out in the open, um, good and bad. I asked Bonnie in episode two, I said, you know, the leaders who are exposed, what would you say? Um, what was it that made them exposed? Like, wh what was it that they did or didn't do? And he said, they just weren't there. The leaders that were exposed were the ones that didn't show up, right? They went to the bunker or they disappeared or they just didn't appear. And, and so leadership isn't about always getting it right, especially not the first time, but it's about being there. It's about listening. I mean, Governor Dugard talks about with the, with the tornadoes that hit in South Dakota and Western Springs, like you got to show up. You got you to gotta be there. You got to go talk to the people, look them in the face, ask them how they're doing, ask how you can help. Um, and so I just got pretty passionate about this idea that we need more leaders and that you don't have to wait. You know, so Shelly, you mentioned the origin story. I'm 23 years old. We moved back to South Dakota. and We start this company with a $15,000 grant. And you just give yourself the title of CEO, right? Because you're just, you're, you're the one who filed the paperwork, right? That did, I was not a leader. Like I was not a leader at 23, even though the, the business card said CEO, right? 
like Zuckerberg famously like legit put on his business card, like CEO, bitch, you know, like Zuckerberg <laughs> was not a leader then. And I would argue is not a leader now, but you know, the idea was that you have to, like, I've been learning on the job for a decade now and, and still am. And so what I wanted the name of lead more is like, we need more leaders, but you don't have to wait your turn. Like you start to learn now and like, you can be a intern leader. You can be a manager leader. You can be a C-suite leader. And so, yeah, that was the, the origin of the topic. Um, I also, I think you can tell on a podcast or a show, I love listening to other people's podcasts. Like you can tell when they really care about a topic and really find it interesting. And it's, it's not just a, a business podcast for, for strategy reasons. It's, it's just like a passion of theirs. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, my list of people I want to have on the show versus how many we probably will get, it's, it's a big difference. Right. And that's good. Um, so that's the subject matter, but let's talk about the, the format because the world probably doesn't need another podcast is like the gut reaction. Um, but I'll tell you what, like, I don't really care if anyone listens to it or not. Like the, the success of the podcast will not be based on how many listens or downloads there are. So like, I love this idea that the podcast is the new form of like a cold call. And so I probably yeah, maybe could have got a great way to put it. I love that. Yeah. I probably could have got a coffee or lunch maybe with governor Dugard. I mean, I know, I, I know some people who know him well and, um, but I don't think I would have had like a, like within two weeks, like booked an hour long conversation with him on zoom. Granted it was zoom because we're like in a COVID world, but so yeah, like reaching out and saying, Hey, could you be on my podcast? People are like, well, yeah, sure. You know, and sometimes they don't even know when the podcast goes live or they don't check how many people actually listen to it or how big, like what's your ranking on iTunes. And so the podcast to me is a vehicle to access and reach a lot of people um, that I want to reach anyway, that I want to build my network with that, you know, as I said, I'm in this transition thought period of like what happens next. Like these are all just opening doors. And so I want to open doors to people who want to be leaders and also just subsequently open doors to amazing leaders that I want to meet. I, I really actually hate asking this question, but the marketer in me is going to wants to know because I want to keep on the leadership part of it because I, I, I just love leadership, but what on the back end of the podcast um, is your thought process behind? Um, so you have governor Dugard on and you're like, you said, this is like a great way. One of the best ways to do a cold call in 2020, but what do you do with that? Now that you've got this relationship, you've got their, um, this podcast with information on there, but what are you, what are you going to do on the back end of it? Not to like monetize it or anything like that, but is it to just keep a good relationship going with them or like what would, what, what do you think would be the best way for someone to do with it? That kind of relationship. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. One, I think a podcast is a really great, if you, if you're familiar with like the kind of the pyramid model of content where you create like anchor content or pillar content, and then you can mm -hmm. deconstruct it. Yep. Um, so podcast is great for that. That's why we do it on video, even though I'm pushing it more audio, but if I have the video, I got Instagram posts, I got tweets, I got, you know, LinkedIn, I can repurpose, I can turn it into blog post. And so it's a really good pillar piece of content. Like if you are a busy marketer, a busy CEO, if you have one hour a week to record a podcast, you can then turn that into a whole co content calendar in terms of, yep. of how you deconstruct that. Totally. So pod podcast in creates like a lot of content out. Um, 
And then what else? Uh, I want to eventually, and I haven't told anyone else this sort of really publicly, but like create a community around leadership. And so that's the next step. That'll be coming maybe by the end of the summer. We're not sure yet how much we need to like kind of build up. Um, but I think there is a, a, a community or a place for people who value leadership, who want to learn. And so maybe eventually we can get Governor Dugard to come back and do like a members only session or a live Q&A or another episode, or I'm not even sure yet. We're still trying to figure that out. But um, I think there should be more leaders. And I think people who want to want to be leaders are willing to invest in their growth. And so that's the theory that I'm ready to test. We'll see. I think. Yeah. I mean, the question, the question kind of led me into thinking when you ask, what do you want to do with it after that? It's building those relationships. Like you always want to position yourself with people who know more than you, right? Like you always want to be one of the the least experts in the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think with what you're doing and the point of something like that and your approach to it makes a whole lot of sense, right? Like typically you're not going to, like you said, be able to just sit down with Governor, Governor Dugard but he obviously has had a lot more experience and things that you don't necessarily have been put in a lot of situations that Absolutely. he can now be able to, you can take those nuggets back from him and now you can pass those along to other people. And so being able to have somebody that has experienced all of that in this kind of a setting is so valuable because who knows, maybe you get into politics or maybe there's somebody that listens or that gets into your group or whatever that wants to get into politics. That's like, yep. wow, he's an intelligent in incredibly intelligent, wise person. They've been through this situation. That would be a great person for me to try to get a mentor relationship with or what have you. And yeah. Yeah. I think networking is one, like really undervalued and underestimated, but two, it's, it's a little bit like it's got a, it often has a bad rap, I think, because of like the thinking of like the chamber, like mixers mm -hmm. and like flop, like handing out, uh, you know, business cards. Um, there are a lot of different ways to network and sometimes it can be one-to-one -one over a coffee. That's my favorite way to do it. But one in the COVID world and two, just in South Dakota, you're still limited. So a podcast could be a form uh, of networking, right? Or I think even mm -hmm. a better way of like, like I'm already ready to like, I want to release the list of people um, that I want to have on my episode some, or on my show someday. And some of them are pretty aspirational. Uh, but I think I should put that out there, right? Because it's when you put things out into the world that that's how they start to happen. And, yep. and, and I I'm a big believer that your, your mouth connects to your, your mind. And so what you say, um, you, not that you can necessarily maybe will it into existence, but you have to, you have to believe it. And if you're not, if you, if you, if you don't, if you don't say that your company can be a $10 million company, that you're, you're just not going to be one. Right. And so you mm -hmm. have to say it, you have to believe it. And so, yeah, I think, I don't know where it'll land, like where it'll be or what it'll look like a year from now. The idea of how do you break into being a top podcast sounds really daunting and incredibly difficult because there are just like, there's no first mover advantage anymore, right? I mean, one of my biggest, I don't have too many business regrets, but Scott and I started a podcast in 2010 around the topic of technology and social media and like all these, we're like, hey, there's this thing called Instagram. It's a new episode. <laughs> um, like we probably should have kept going. Like we might like, that's first mover advantage where if you're just early, eventually, even if you're not that good, you can figure it out. Now you have to be really good. And we'll you see know, if I can figure it out. It's so funny that you say that because uh, I just want to make this quick point and I don't want to sit on it for too long, but you know, people really love Joe Rogan 
I can't stand Joe Rogan as a podcaster. <laughs> I think he's one of the god awfulest interviewers of all time. Not saying that I'm amazing by any means, but like, like I, I just, I, I try listening to an episode, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like, just his, it's not there. But he was one of the, one of the first podcasts, and he's just consistently just right up there in the top five. Um, he yeah, has some pretty incredible people like- on. Yeah, and, and I think the, the internet will unfairly reward like people who are very prolific. And when I say prolific, I don't mean necessarily like the best, the 1%, but the people who just always show up and always ship, right? Like yeah. Seth Godin, he's a really amazing writer, but he also has been writing like a daily post for 12, 13, I don't know, 15 years. I'm not sure how many. And, and he's just so prolific. He continues to create content, to ship, to produce, to hit publish, you know, he doesn't let himself get in his own head. And so I think whether it's as small as like tweeting really insightful thoughts every day or producing a daily or weekly podcast, like the people who show up and always produce, eventually if you keep doing that, you'll have success. Yeah. I mean, it's just like getting your reps in, right? Like you can't get great at anything by doing it once one even probably once a week you've get i mean if you really want to be great at something you've just got to do it a lot um so <laughs> i love these comments i didn't know that they like pop up that's cool yeah we're we're professional now like this isn't this isn't the 6 months ago podcast anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm really curious to know though so getting back to like the leadership topic you know there is a lot of thought leaders um, and take that for what you will, old technology, just new format type of thing. Sure. Going back to that Venn diagram, but there's a lot of- It's a two uh, by two matrix, not a Venn diagram. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's just, we'll, we'll go like it's that. like a square, the matrix. Yes. Math, <laughs> I didn't I didn't succeed at math, so. <laughs> These are just shapes. These are just shapes. <laughs> I didn't succeed at kindergarten either. <laughs> but- uh, you know, one of my personal favorites, and it's not even because he is kind of newer on the scene, um, but he just his information just kind of hit me at the right time, right place. Jocko Willink with Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Um, I gift that book to a ton of people. Um, I buy that if there's anybody who's struggling through service-based businesses and leadership in that, which is where I think is actually there's this humongous vacuum of leadership is in service-based businesses specifically. Um, I will, I will buy that book for them all day, every day, as long as they promise that they're going to actually read it or listen to it. Um, otherwise then I just, I, I won't even give them the time of time of day afterwards. I, I just tell them like, listen, this is the first step. If you're not even willing to do this, then anything else after that, you're not willing to do anyways. But, um, I'm, I'm struggling to think of other people that are at the forefront of, you know, leadership out there, but is there anybody that you kind of took inspiration from at all? I mean, I, I love Simon Sinek in terms of the way he thinks about yes. leadership, uh, his books, his, his, I mean, his TEDx is, you know, and, and one, one, maybe people would say, well, he's not like leading the team, but like the way he thinks. And, and if I were to hire anybody to come teach me about leadership, I think he'd be the first. Um, certainly like, like Jobs and Musk stick out in terms of like big, bold thinkers, like, you know, this idea of this reality distortion, like we're, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to do it in a decade, right? JFK. Um, I think that those are like the big thinkers. So I feel like philosophically, I like how Simon Sinek thinks. And in terms of running a business, I've always been a fan of the, the base camp guys. So Jason Fried, 
and David Hennemeyer Hansen, uh, they used to run an agency, then it became Basecamp. Now they just launched uh, a new email app called Hey. Um, they're very bold and convicted in their leadership style, and they're not afraid if people disagree with them, which I think is admirable, something I'm trying to work on myself. Um, being and being so I, bold enough to where you don't care about um, other people's opinions. Yeah, I think like uh, one, I had someone describe it to me as like, you want to get people out of the middle on you and your brand as fast as possible, right? So you either want people to love you or frankly, like maybe you don't want them to hate you, but you're okay if they don't like you. Yeah. It's when they're in the, it's like when they're in the middle that they just like probably delete your email, but they don't unsubscribe. Yeah. Right. It's like, I either want you to unsubscribe, unsubscribe from my email because you, it's not relevant to you or mm -hmm. you just can't, you can't wait till you get every single one and you just devour it up. Right. I think um, I've heard that said in a way of like, you should always, people should never question who you are and what you do. Like if people are like, I got to wait around a while before I figure out what this company is all about. Like that's, that's probably not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think with leadership, your point, Adam, like, I think what I like is that you can, you can cherry pick all these things from other people because they're all so unique, right? Like no leaders are exactly the same. And, you know, I think about, I'm a sports fan, but often at the end of like in football, there'll be like a new style of offense or a new way to play the game that takes over for a while. And it's kind of a trend and then everyone follows and copycats. But like in business, there's so many different ways to do that. And so many models that work and and there's just no one way to do business and i think that's so fascinating um in terms of other leaders i like to go back like i love to read like more biography type books than just like the hot business book that's on the airport shelf um because some of the old leaders are you can learn a ton from hmm. shelly leadership i mean i i think that we've kind of covered everything here. I, I really, I, I agree with John on so much. And that's one of the reasons I continually ask you to, you know, be a part of what is going on because I, you know, I've talked to you about this a couple of times, like the, the culture that you've created and the way that you value people, I think is so incredibly um, uh, admirable to me. And I don't like, I feel like we're just like keep talking you up and that's not necessarily my intention, but well, I mean, I can talk um, him down if you want me to, but he is our guest. Like no, we should probably my point <laughs> is like, I think that it's, I think you have a lot to offer and the idea, it didn't surprise me at all when you came out with a leadership podcast, because it seemed like kind of that next step in what you have worked to create with Lemonly as far as culture and building people up and, how to um, become a leader or create a culture of leadership within an organization. So it seemed like a very um, natural next step. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that next step, where it leads for you. Cause I think that that has a lot to offer our community and it's something that's very neat. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. I hope that I think that uh, what, um, what I'm trying to make sure to do is that it's a continual process and I don't have all the answers. And so my hope as the guide of that show is to just be the guide while I, I'm also on the same journey as hopefully the listener as, as well. And uh, to take people on that journey to continue to learn. And the thesis that I need to prove if there is a community or a desire for that is do other people want to be leaders, right? Like the, I asked Bonnie, like are leaders born or are they made? Right. And he said that they're made, but certainly some people are are maybe more equipped or ready. And so, although I believe there are a lot of different ways to do it, 
lots of times leaders, even Dennis said, you know, he didn't never even considered politics and some until somebody called him up and said, like, we think you should run. Hmm. And then he became the governor, right? Like he, if he would have bet money, if he were to bet money on whether he'd be governor, he would have told you no. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the thesis is like, do people, do they seek it out and they want to be one or does somebody kind of nudge and push them? Um, and I think it's a little bit of both, but my hope is that I can be some of that, that nudging and pushing um, because then Sioux Falls and South Dakota and the United States and our world will be better off. Absolutely. So we're nudging up on um, our last five minutes here. So the last <laughs> five minutes in this uh, in the show is that we let you talk about whatever you want, whatever you want to talk about. So it, it can be regarding your new leadership. We can, you can talk about your kids or your lovely wife that's walking around there in the background. <laughs> yeah. You can talk about whatever you want, John, for the last five minutes. Tell our community. Oh, jeez. You didn't tell me that was coming. See, um, and we always like to spring it on people because then you get the best answer. <laughs> or you just get awkward Let's silence see. for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to decide what the, like, usually when you do these things, you end up, no matter what, you, you share the thoughts of the, in your your head that are most relevant, you know? So, like, I've been thinking mm-hmm. about that two-by-two two matrix recently when it comes to new ideas. Uh, I've been thinking about leadership. I've been thinking about how people are like, why does the world need another podcast when I think maybe everybody should have a podcast? Um and so uh, those are some of those things we've already talked about. But um, hmm. Twitter audio, hot take on Twitter audio. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't even tried it yet. I don't have okay. a take on it. All right. Sorry. Uh, I do think that Twitter um, is the best place to network. Uh, so we were joking about, you know, the business cards. Like I still love like the one-to-one coffee, but um, Twitter, although like maybe stock price wise in terms of the big tech stocks, isn't the, isn't the shiniest and brightest. Um, it, it's an incredible place to meet people, um, like-minded people, people that inspire you, people that, you know, I know there's a lot of noise out there, but if you, if you do your Twitter, right, you can filter that out, mute that stuff. Um, but it's an incredible place to meet people. I'm just going to say, I agree with you, but I, I really love to, um, talk with you more on that too. Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Um, I guess maybe what I'll finish with is what I've been telling either my team and then a couple of the talks I've given the last couple of months on Zoom. Um, you know, in the last hundred days, our world essentially got flipped upside down. Uh, no matter how you slice it, no matter what business you're in, it's it's the only thing I can ever remember where like every single person was impacted, right? Um, you know, even in the 9-11 example, it's like, I remember where I was and it was, it was it's vivid and it's clear and, and it felt like our country did change that next morning. But like I was in the hallways of Brookings High School, like it, was, it wasn't quite the same, right? For those who lived in New York. Um, and this isn't the case. And so what I've been telling people is you now have the opportunity business-wise or personally to, to really reinvent yourself, right? Um, and I told my team, like, if we come out of COVID and Lemonly looks the same, then I think we will have failed. And so now if there's ever a time that you wanted to change something in your business, change something in your life, change something in your habits, your routines, the people you spend your time with, uh, all of that, it's on the it's on the table and it's up for grabs. And the truth is it was always there, right? Before, we just didn't give ourselves permission to do it. And now you don't have an excuse. And so I realize there's a ton of like privilege in that statement too. Like Lemonly is able to do our work and we snapped our fingers and went remote and business has actually been pretty strong for us. And there's people on both sides of the coin, businesses that are thriving out of COVID and some that just aren't going to make it anymore. And that's hard 
and sad for me. Um, but at the end of the day, like these, are, this is when you grow, right? Like iron sharpens iron and these are the times that make us stronger. And so I wish and hope and pray for everyone that everyone can get through this healthy and safe. And those with underlying conditions can, can be protected and that we all have responsibility to protect them as well is what I believe. Um, but when we're talking about marketing in the context of business, now's the time, right? Like to be whatever you want to be and to reinvent and to, and so that's scary, but also like really damn exciting, I think. Yep. And so that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Um, what does Lemonly look like on the back end of this and myself and my habits and my routines and, you know, like I'm already laughing at the think pieces we'll read in seven years from now of parents who are like, I wish we could go back to COVID. My kids are grown up and, <laughs> and they never, sorry. No. It's kind of loud. No, um, totally and so like, that's what I've been thinking a lot about too, is, is like enjoying these moments with my little girls and um, re reassessing my habits and my routines. I mean, I went for, you know, a couple times this time, this, this period, I've gone for a run at like one o'clock during the middle of the day. And I never would have done that before. I would have felt like mm -hmm. well, I'm not being a good leader. I can't, I got to be in the office. I got to be present. I got to be there. But like I got all my stuff done and, and, and I let my other, I let my team members go for a run in the middle of the day. So why couldn't I, you know? And so right. that's just one tiny, tiny example, but yeah, I'd finish with that is that everything's um, sort of at your fingertips, even though it might feel like it don't, but use this as a time to reevaluate. So in my newsletter last week, I said like, rest and pause and then reset and figure out what your life looks like moving forward. Love it. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. I'm not even going to add any words to that. I think that that's a perfect way to, to end it. And we, I really appreciate, I know Adam does too. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. This was fun. Let me uh, share your, your knowledge. Maybe next time I'll admit what my prediction was for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, first time. Sure is going to go back and look that yeah. up, I'm sure. Well, we'll make sure to download this one for, <laughs> so that we don't lose it. <laughs> I didn't make any bold predictions this time. <laughs> awesome. Well, have a wonderful day, John. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. And Take care. Be well. Open. Be safe. Peace out, bro. See ya. Bro. See ya.